Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I often mention at the end of the video that if there's an update, I will bring it to you. And a story I covered fairly recently has an update that I was not expecting this quickly. So the corner crossing case out of Wyoming, where the landowner was suing hunters for stepping over the corners between the public land and the privately owned land, uh, has come to an end completely. So a judge had recently tossed the trespassing parts of the lawsuit with respect to the corner crossing, but there had been a count that was filed by the landowner saying that the waypoint on one of these guys' GPS showed that he had stepped on my land. Not stepped over it, but had stepped on it. And uh, apparently the ranch owner has decided to not pursue that. That was the final claim in the case. And so the case is over. Now, it appears that the parties have settled the case. That is that they sat down and agreed to dismiss the case because I think that's what's necessary here. But you've got to kind of read between the lines because I don't believe he could dismiss it on his own without the defendants agreeing to do so. And I've mentioned that before. If you file a lawsuit and the other side answers and starts expending money defending themselves, you generally can't go into court and say, oh, I changed my mind. I want to drop my case. Uh, at that point, you got to do it with the permission of the court, and quite often that's by stipulation with the other side. So the headline is Ranch Owner in Corner Crossing Case Drops Waypoint 6 Trespass Claim. Waypoint 6 was what the spot was labeled on the one guy's GPS, and it was without question on the man's private property. The question is, was the waypoint put there by somebody standing in that spot, or was it put there by somebody sitting at their computer at home who says, oh, I'm going to put a waypoint here so I remember this spot for some reason. And there could be a lot of reasons for that, but obviously if it's done someplace else remotely, it doesn't mean it was being trespassed upon. So uh, Angus Thurner wrote this for wildfile.com, and he's the one who's been following all of this stuff. And so uh, it's, it's, it's probably been a lot of fun for him <laughs> because stuff happening out in the wilds of Wyoming generally doesn't cause the buzz that this story has caused. But the hunters have also agreed not to seek their attorney fees after the judge rules they did not trespass when corner crossing. So they could have asked the court to grant their attorney fees for the fact they had to defend themselves. But that's not a given. That's not something guaranteed they would have gotten. So the owner of Elk Mountain Ranch has dropped a one last claim in the corner crossing trespass lawsuit. And that was the allegation that one of the Missouri hunters had stepped on his property well away from the corner that they've been fighting over. In papers filed in U.S. District Court on June 1st, an attorney uh, for the ranch owner told U.S. Chief District Judge that the ranch owner is withdrawing the trespass claim associated with a digital marker known as Waypoint 6 and that would eliminate the need for a trial. Now, the owner of the property had sued four hunters, claiming they trespassed while passing through the airspace over a corner of his property. The judge ruled that the men did not trespass while corner crossing, and he said that they'd stepped from one piece of public land to another, and they had not touched the adjacent private property, although they had stepped through the space above it. And I believe what they're really getting at there is that the trespass, although it may have been real, was de minimis. It was so minor as to not matter. 
Certainly not the point where a federal court should be tied up with its resources determining the damages of somebody stepping over something. Uh, the summary judgment ruling did not preclude the man from appealing the corner crossing decision to the U.S. Court of Appeals. And an, attorney's, uh, an attorney for the hunters said he expects that to happen. Now, in the course of the civil suit, which at one point sought more than $7 million in damages, the uh, owner of the ranch had alleged that in addition to violating the ranch airspace, in essence, over those corners, uh, one hunter also had set foot elsewhere on the ranch that was, without question, not near those corners. And that was during discovery in this case, uh, they got a hold of a program, an app that one of the hunters was using, uh, called On X, and as they looked through there, there was a waypoint marked, Waypoint 6. And Waypoint 6 is, without question, inside the boundaries of the private property. But as I mentioned before, if you've got a GPS, you know this, you can set waypoints into it uh, standing anywhere. And it's one of the things that makes GPSs cool, is that if you want to go someplace out in the middle of nowhere, and you're looking at a map and you go, I want to go right there, you can find out what the coordinates are for it, and then mark that into your app, and then the app will get you there. It'll say, oh no, go this way, go that way, go this way. So I've, I've wandered many times out in the woods, guided by nothing but my GPS. Hunters say the waypoint could have been made from anywhere, in that waypoint six was far from any of the several corners the hunters did cross. And so the judge uh, separated that argument from the corner crossing argument. So ruling in favor of the hunters regarding corner crossing, the judge left the waypoint six disagreement to be decided at a trial scheduled for later this month. So at that trial, the court or the jury would have been asked to decide, do you find that this one hunter was on the property at waypoint six? And if the only evidence they had was, yes, the waypoint was marked in his GPS, that'd be a tough one to win. The judge also ruled that the landowner, if you were to win the Waypoint 6 argument in front of a jury, would be entitled to nominal damages only. And the judge said that would probably amount to no more than $100. So he's basically saying, look, you can pursue this claim. And if you win it, you might win 100 bucks. Now, of course, somebody might do that on principle. But courts don't generally like it when people get these spats over minor little things and go, I'm doing it for principle. So the attorney for the landowner says, after considering the matter, the plaintiff has determined the interest of judicial economy and justice warrant us withdrawing the claims related to Waypoint 6 and possible physical surface trespass by any of the defendants in the plaintiff's real property. And that withdrawal eliminates the need for a trial, the attorney said. The two sides agreed to pay their own attorney fees, according to the filing. Other costs, however, would be subject to the judge's final ruling on the civil suit, but also limited to what's allowed under court rules. And so there's a lot going on there, but it does appear that there was a filing made by the attorneys, and we don't know what the title of that is, but it sounds to me like it's a stipulation between the parties. So quite often, the vast majority of lawsuits in America settle. They settle. And they settle by the parties agreeing to something that they both agree to. And they put that agreement into writing between them 
They don't file that settlement with the court most of the time. Instead, they simply file a document, which is a stipulation to dismiss the case. And it'll simply say the parties have agreed that this matter may be dismissed and uh, costs to no party, and this ends the matter. And the court will look at that, and if, uh, as is the case in most cases, if it makes sense, the court will say, fine, glad you guys settled your case. Thank you very much. Now go. <laughs> Get out of my courtroom. So uh, something was filed with the court that settled the matter, uh, and I believe it was a, a stipulation for dismissal. Now, earlier it says that somebody's expecting an appeal, um, and quite often, uh, and this is where it gets tricky, uh, quite often, you cannot appeal a dismissal where it's been stipulated by the parties unless you reserve the right to do so and the parties agree to that also. But having not seen the actual dismissal filed with the court, I can't say whether they've done that or not. But I have seen cases, I've actually worked on cases years ago, where there were 20 counts in a civil lawsuit filed. Okay, So somebody suing somebody else, there are 20 allegations and I've seen it before where the court dismisses 18 out of 20 and says, well, you know, I dismissed 18 counts here, but there's still two that technically have got to go to trial. And I've seen a plaintiff's attorney go to the defense attorney and say, look, you know as well as I do, we're appealing what happened with those 18. We're going to appeal those. So if we have a trial right now on the remaining two issues, what's going to happen is no matter what happens, we're going to file an appeal and ask for a trial on the 18 that got dismissed incorrectly, as we think. So why not stipulate that we will temporarily dismiss the last two counts? Let us take our appeal. And if we lose that appeal, we're done. But if we win the appeal, we come back and we try all 20 counts. And so I've seen some situations like that where that would make sense to do that. Uh, I don't know if they did that here. It's a possibility. But the one thing to notice is that they agreed on the attorney fees because an argument could have been made by the defendants here uh, that they were being sued over something trivial. They were saying it all along. And when the guy who files the lawsuit says, I'm going to drop my case now. Well, we've been saying all along this is trivial. Now it appears that the judge agrees with it. The court agrees with it and you kind of agree with it, uh, shouldn't we be compensated for our attorney fees? But we are in America, of course, and in America, we have the American rule. It's a good thing they named it that because it's easy to remember. The American rule says, you pay for your attorneys, I pay for mine. The English rule often says that if you are in court and you prevail, the other side pays your fees. So if you get sued and it's baseless and the case gets tossed, you can go back into court and ask the court to make the other side pay your fees for you. Now, there are some situations in America with a fee-shifting statutes. An example is the Lemon Law. If you've got a defective automobile and an attorney who handles Lemon Law cases like myself helps you get that car bought back and a lawsuit is filed as a result of that, uh, if you get your car bought back by the manufacturer, they've also got to pay your attorney fees. Because if they didn't, and there's no fee-shifting portion of the statute, not enough people could afford to do that. You'd say, well, there's a law that could help me, but I can't afford to invoke the law. So there's a fee-shifting portion of that statute. There's other statutes out there that have fee-shifting portions, but this probably is not one of them, simply where you're being sued for trespass and you are found to not be liable for trespass. 
So in that case, you have to start talking about whether the lawsuit itself was baseless or frivolous, because most courts in most states, including federal court, have certain standards. And they say if a lawsuit is filed and it's not a good lawsuit, depending on how bad it is, the uh, plaintiff may have to pay the costs and attorney fees of the other side. May, but that's going to be at the discretion of the court. It depends on whether the court feels this lawsuit had merit or not. Did it have merit? So we don't know what the judge might rule on that, but I think this is it. I think this is it. And the statement earlier saying that one of the attorneys anticipates an appeal. I remember an attorney saying that a while back. And so that might be something they said a while back, but now that they've settled it, I think, I think this will be the last we hear of this case. So glad it's wrapped up. A lot to do about nothing. I know I didn't say that correctly, but that's okay. Angus Thurma wrote that for wildfile.com, and a whole bunch of people sent it to me. But the ranch owner in the corner crossing case has dropped his last trespass claim, and that was involving Waypoint 6, as they said. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go.